You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. What's up, everybody? It's episode 147 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, and we are edging ever closer to our three-year anniversary. Can you even imagine three years doing this podcast every single week? You know, I've really enjoyed it. I really have, and I appreciate that you're along for the ride because I enjoy doing this, and it's a completely different medium for obvious reasons than writing articles. As always, I would like to thank my beautiful Patreon patrons for supporting the show and also GameMat.eu. But wait a second. Wait a second. What's this? We have a new Patreon patron! Thank you so much to Aaron for joining our Patreon family, and thank you to all of my other Patreon patrons for constantly supporting our show. It means the world to me. He's so sweet. He's sweet. He's cute. (laughs) We should have a threesome with him. (laughs) Oh, Paris, you rapscallion. Anyway, so that's what's going on, and I'm very excited, and... What else? Well, I got to play Brutality, three games of Brutality at the club this week, and that was a lot of fun. Um, You know, so much has happened in the last week, I have actually a hard time remembering what happened. We played a two-versus-one game, and, oh, they whooped the crap out of me. Um, He had one of his monsters. It wasn't a particular build that he had, but he gave them the epic legendary trait on a monster, a melee monster. And essentially that allows you as a free action to cast one power each turn. And he kept passing, uh, he kept casting the aura ability on himself. And so when he slammed into me, he'd be getting two wound chart rolls with no saves on me before combat even started. So he was shredding me. And I don't think, no, no, I had one person left at the end of that game. I was not tabled, but boy, howdy, I was close to it. And uh, just a lot of things did not work well that that game. They beat me like, ugh, like seven to three or something. It was a it was a pretty significant for brutality. It was a pretty significant difference. And um, we also played a gauntlet game, but we had to stop in the middle of it because we actually ran out of time. That was at the end of the night. So we're going to pick that up at turn, I think, four next time we play. And what else? We played another game, and I cannot... Oh, they played the zombie, the get to the choppa mission. And I ran all the swarms for them. And uh, he took that same monster, man. That monster was kicking butt. And a couple times, he actually got critical successes. So he had two auras on him, which meant four wound chart rolls. Like, that is... Whew, that is nuts. So he basically just combined his way, like, like through a field. He just was a combine and ran a line through all the zombies and the bats and everything. And uh, he's like, deuces, and just left. And the rest of his team, it was um, Elijah and Connor teaming up together. And Connor had like two or three models, and Elijah just had this one monster. And uh, he ran all the way across the board, mowed down a bunch of stuff. It was like, bye, and just left the board. So he left Connor um, all by himself on the board, and it was it was pretty funny. Connor did get one of his one of his people died, and the other one made it through, and then another guy ended up backing up into a corner and just mowing down zombies as they slowly swarmed him. And at the very last turn, he did survive for the full five turns or whatever that mission is. 
and he was all the way in the corner, and he gets assaulted one way. He had one hit point left. He gets assaulted from the front, and he somehow saves it and survives. He gets assaulted from the back, and somehow saves it and survives. He gets assaulted from the front again from another angle. I mean, he was his back was up against the wall, and he had a shredder. And it was, it was fantastic. It was really a nail-biter, and he did live. I mean, that doesn't count as that model living for that mission, but we were just kind of narrat- narratively saying, oh, yeah, they're going to come back for you. If you can just last these hordes. I mean, the entire board was covered in models by that point. And uh, it was very climactic. I enjoyed it. Um, other than that, I've been working on a Sesame Street warband and a Muppet warband. Uh, a bunch of green stuff, stuff like that, and I'm really proud of that. So, um, of course, that doesn't... I'm very quick with my hobby, even a paint scheme. I mean, it takes me 20 minutes to fully paint a model. Like, I'm very, very quick with tabletop standard stuff. Um, I have very good... I don't know whether it's dexterity or it's natural ability, but I have extremely good brush control. Uh, with my hand. So I don't, I'm not a very sloppy painter. I don't get it on a bunch of different surfaces that the stuff shouldn't be on. So that actually didn't take nearly as much time as it may have seemed like it would take because I was, um, I'm just very proficient at it. So uh, what else? I also got to, so I only worked uh, like four hours yesterday morning and then had to go back for three and a half more hours after that. But it was just, <laughs> Compared to my other days of work, which are rarely less than 10 hours, uh, yesterday was basically a day off, and um, I was able to work quite a bit on the Brutality Supplement um, yesterday, which I had not worked on in a week or two. I am well behind. I was hoping to have that done by the end of May, and then all this stuff with, you know, can't find help, no employees, all that stuff... We're all working like crazy. I got a bunch of employees working lots of overtime trying to cover everything. So we just don't, I just don't have the personal time, unfortunately, to do everything that I want, Um, which is like not a big deal. You know, it's, it's not forever. We have a busy season and then we have a off season. So I know we'll make it out and time luckily is going by very quickly for me. So it's almost the middle of the month now. And it seems like it was just June 1st. So I'm totally fine with just life being a blur. And I uh, look forward to that fall time. Mm, man, I got to tell you, it's it's not sexual, but darn right, it almost is. I have such a fetish for fall that I love everything about fall. Not only is my work slowing down and I can get rid of all of my summer idiots and all of that, but man, the, the leaves changing and cool, crisp nights and leaves crunching under your feet, and Halloween, oh my gosh, Halloween, don't even get me started, it's one of my favorite holidays, and Shorehammer's right around the corner at that point, and oh man, I just, I love fall so much, pumpkin spice, uh, I guess is fine, but it is definitely the perfect weather to sit down with a cup of coffee on the porch when it's cold out, oh my gosh, I love fall, I love fall for so many reasons, professionally and otherwise, so I often just fantasize about fall. Matter of fact, to get me through the summer, <laughs> I actually had, this is a couple years ago, I actually took a, a picture of fall of my, my yard when it was fall, and then I saved it, and that was my home screen all summer. And uh, it was like every time I open up my phone, I'm like, ah, fall. <laughs> I love fall so much. So anyway, that's a complete diatribe. Sorry about that. But anyway, uh, I think that's about it. Um, oh, one last thing. I feel like we finally made it to the big leagues with brutality, folks. Just want to let you know that. Uh, 
I discovered the first time that brutality, to my knowledge, has been bootlegged. And, uh, I mean, that's not something I'm happy about, because clearly, obviously, I've spent years and years and years of development in it, and I'm not thrilled about it. But somebody joined the Facebook group, and we always ask, you know, where did you hear about us or whatever on the little questionnaire? And they gave us a website name. And I was like, this website? What is this website? I've never heard of this. So I look it up, and come to find out, it's basically this very subtle thread. And it's a basically this thread where people are like, hey, do you have the rules to such and such game? And nobody replies to them openly. Like, I'm assuming they private message them or something. And then someone else is like, oh, do you have the... And they don't ever reply to each other publicly. It's just a bunch of questions. Hey, do you have the rules to uh, of Sigmar? And no one replies. And then someone else goes, do you have the rules to Brutality Skirmish Wargame? And then no one replies. And then someone's... And it's all these questions, like, do you have this? And nobody's ever replying, which means to me that they're privately messaging people files and stuff. Now, naturally, I am not actually thrilled about this because it's a lot of time, effort, and blood, sweat, and tears go into this game. And I'm not happy at all that it'd be pirated. Although I knew it was an inevitability. Like, you're not everybody is gonna care. Um, and they're just going to want the rules for free, which is like, whatever, I can't stop them, whatever. But um, I just thought that was funny. This is the first time ever that I had proof. I was like, oh, well, I guess we've made some level of notoriety if people are trying to bootleg my rules, which is kind of funny in a sad kind of way. But it's still still one of those things. Anyway, uh, let's get on with the show. And we have quite a bit of uh, stuff to talk about. So let's get on with it. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. For this episode's Tesseract mailbox, we have another letter from Levi. Actually, that's kind of a lie. Um, it's not a letter, it's a voicemail, believe it or not. And Levi sends us a message, and uh, I'm going to play that right for you right now, and then I will respond to it. Hey, Pimpcron, it's Levi, your almost brother in name only. Uh, just listen to your latest episode about your soul blights and how shitty that fucking bullshit was. I'm so sorry it was so shallow and weak, and hopefully, hopefully GW will have the graciousness to send us an updated uh, codex anytime in the next six months. That would be great. We want that. Anyway, uh, just to call in, see how you're doing. Uh, I've been kind of fucking up my hobby stuff. I, I didn't really buy any more Slanish things. I kind of, well, hate to say this, but I, uh, started buying more skinks. I got to start collecting skinks, and then I bought a little box of skinks. And, uh, probably should have bought, like, some, uh, you know, uh, more demonettes at least. But, well, you know, here we are. So, um, I'm kind of spreading myself thin, you know, even on the 40k into stuff, I also have a bunch of Thousand Suns shit to paint, which I'm scared to because it's hard, and I tried to do an aspiring sorcerer, and it looked like a expiring sorcerer. <laughs> Ugh. All right. Well, decided to leave you some content, so I hope you have a good time. Uh, doing what you do. It's the busy season for me also. It's screen doors. 
That's what I do. Apparently, no one needed them during the winter time. Uh, so, well, I guess that's enough identical. Uh, sorry, I can barely talk. Anyway, it's enough identifiable information about me. I hope you guys, hope everyone has a good day, and uh, thanks for always taking my message. Bye. Okay, so there's a lot going on in that message. First off, I agree with you that it would be nice if they. I mean, it, it kind of would be nice, and it kind of would suck at the same time if they came out with a Soul Blight Gravelord Codex that was less shallow and more robust, given all of the models they just made that would fit perfectly in this army, and I can't imagine why they did not put them in this army. Um, maybe it's a production issue, I don't know, but um, it doesn't matter to me. I've sold off almost my entire Soul Blight Gravelord's army in just one week. I just have a few models left, so uh, uh, that's definitely not my concern anymore, <laughs> so... Because to be honest with you, there's enough I don't like about that codex that even if they did include the rat swarms and they did include the bat swarms and they made the other units that were, you know, takeable individually, I still think that it does not interest me. Now, admittedly, I am still very tempted to have a bunch of those, uh, whatever they're called, the three glass cannon vampires that um, came in Curse City. That unit, if I could take like 12 of them in a unit or, you know, take multiples of them, that might tempt me back into the army because I just want to play vampires. I've said this before. It's frustrating. So instead, I have uh, focused all my infor uh, information, all of my energy into my flesh eater courts, and I'm much happier with them. They're basically all vampires, more or less, whatever. So you also mentioned that you work for a screen door company. And I have to tell you, obviously, once you get thinking about it, of course, there's, you know, screen door repair companies. Like, of course, there are because there's a lot of screen doors and I'm sure they get damaged. But that is one industry I have never, ever thought of, like that that would be a service or an industry. I just don't I, I don't know why. I mean, there's all sorts of weird industries out there, you know, like pool service industries and grass cutting industries and roofing and all that. There's a million different industries out there, but screen door repair is not something that has ever occurred to me. Um, so that's, that is interesting. And I bet you are busy this time of year. Everybody starts, you know, wanting to enjoy the warm weather on the Northern hemisphere. And all of a sudden you got all these holes in your screens and then you got bugs coming in and mosquitoes. And yeah, I'm sure you're like nonstop busy guaranteed. The next thing I want to mention is that I take a little bit exception with your comment here about your skinks and your slanesh demons and all that. If you guys remember, um, Levi was the one that wrote in, I don't know, a couple months ago and mentioned that uh, he had to start collecting. I, no, I think it was Pain and Pleasure or whatever. It's the Daughters of Cain and the slanesh demons AOS box set. And he wanted to flesh it out. I think his girlfriend had one unit, one army, and he also had the other army. And we were suggesting some models for him and all that. Well, now, Levi, you say that you're messing up your hobby, right? This is, this could not be farther from the truth. You were into Slanesh Demons, and you worked on that for a while. And then all of a sudden, something caught your eye with the Lizardmen. And you're like, oh, I want to start playing Seraphon now. And uh, these skinks look really cool. And then you bought some skinks. And to be honest with you, out of all the things in life, like correctly fixing screen doors and being on time and making your customers happy and all that stuff that matters so much in life, 
this hobby does not matter at all. So feel free to have ADHD or hobby um, lack of focus if you want to because it doesn't matter. The point is as long as you're having fun and you're enjoying your hobby and you're doing something creative and it's a creative outlet for you and maybe a strategic thinking outlet like you're playing chess or whatever, as long as you're enjoying the hobby, that's all that matters. So you should not beat yourself up on it. And trust me, Levi, we all feel bad from time to time. I mean, I've, I've said before I'm notorious for getting super excited for a release and then pre-ordering it. And as soon as it gets in my hands, I lose all interest, put it on a shelf, and then start building something that I've had for two years on the shelf. I don't know why I do this. And then notoriously, about six months after buying the models, then all of a sudden I'm interested in it again. I, I have no idea. It's just, it is what it is, and luckily it doesn't matter. You just enjoy yourself and try not to feel too bad about it. Now, we all have a pile of shame, but some of us have a much larger pile of shame, and I have a sizable pile of shame. In other words, models that you bought and you have not assembled or whatever. And within reason, even that shouldn't make you feel bad. Now, uh, like I've said on the podcast many times, I've been actively thinning out my herd of things, um, all of my piles of shame and all that. And to be honest with you, I'm not rage quitting about the Soul Blight Gravelords thing. I'm just realizing this is not going in a direction that I had hoped. And this is an army I barely ever used anyway, because it wasn't the way I hoped. So if they're not going to change it, then okay, they finally made a decision, a modern decision, not a decision from four years ago. They just literally made the decision not to make it go in the direction that I was interested in. So I figured, you know what? I'll free up one of my shelves. I'll just sell these guys. And uh, it's worked out pretty well. So, um, but like I said, don't beat yourself up over the hobby. Or if you feel like you're not hobbying enough, or you feel like you're, you know, any of that, just don't worry about it. And as far as your Thousand Suns go, also don't worry about that. I mean, you don't have to do the Thousand Suns paint scheme, the blue with the gold trim and all that. You don't have to do that. So prime them all blue if you want, and then when you feel like it, do some gold trim or do something completely different. Make yours all gold, spray them all gold, and then, you know, wash them with uh, Seraph and Sepia or Agrax Earthshade or something. I mean, there's a million different options, and remember, you're not... Nothing you do truly matters in this hobby. It's just for fun, and if it's giving you stress then you should rethink your hobby, but hopefully it's not giving you stress. Sounds like you're getting more and more into this hobby, and I'm happy to hear it, because it's a very fun hobby, and as long as you don't beat yourself up over stuff that's silly, then you'll continue to enjoy it. And you know what? Give it six months, and then all of a sudden, hey, you know what? Those Slanesh demons are looking pretty good, and then you go over there, and you start adding onto that army, and I mean, it's just a weird cycle. I don't know. I don't know why we do this in the hobby, but certainly you should not be beating yourself up over it. So hopefully this helps. And uh, thank you for writing in. I greatly appreciate it. For those of you that don't remember, um, he said I was uh, a brother in name only. I had once mentioned when he first wrote in, I said, oh, my parents almost named me Levi and his name is Levi. So that's why we always, I say he's my brother from another mother and all that. Anyway, thanks a lot. I really appreciate the voicemail, Levi. I greatly do. And if you want to call in, the phone number is in the show notes at the bottom of whatever, I don't know, podcast app or whatever you're listening to. We're pretty much on all the podcast apps. So anyway, let's get on to the next segment. And thanks for calling in, Levi. Want that? 
or want that lot. On this week's Want That or Want That Not, we're covering Kragnos, the end of empires. I'm sure you all know that he is the god of earthquakes, and he's able to lead all of the forces of destruction. He is an imposing presence on the tabletop, and he stands nearly seven and a half inches tall. He's an unstoppable force in melee and highly resistant to magic. Okay, so what we could talk about here is all of his stats. If you guys don't know who he is, he is the new big baddie named character, pretty much godly level, super heavy sort of guy for Age of Sigmar. And he's for the destruction side. And he's $160, and he is a massive model. I will give them that much. Just for size reference, they have a Iron Jaws brute standing next to him. And this guy is a giant centaur because God knows Games Workshop has such a hard-on for centaurs right now. We get vampiric centaurs. We get this dude's a centaur. I don't know what they got with centaurs. They must have somebody that's really into animal loving um, because they just are just so erect for centaurs right now. But this guy, this Kragnos guy, he is pretty large, and there's a brute standing next to him, and he's standing on this big rock piece to make him even taller, because he's actually not seven and a half inches tall. He's seven and a half inches tall while standing up on a giant rock. And basically, uh, looking at this picture, the brute is not quite as tall as one of Kragnos's legs, one of his big old hairy horsey legs. This guy, I don't find anything special about him, if I'm being completely honest. I know he's got some super baller rules. I understand. Everybody's going to want to use him. If you play Destruction, everybody's going to want to use him. He's $160. I really find his design to be extremely meh. I don't think it's a bad design at all. I don't think it's a bad model. I just, it does not inspire anything in me. This is one of those cases where you probably want to buy it because it's a super good, super nasty, big model for your destruction army. And he can lead any of the destruction armies, similar to Nagash leading any of the death armies, you know. And he's just a big baddie, and that's fantastic. Except, wait a second, Chaos is the one with the centaurs. They're the beasts of chaos. They actually have centigors. They actually have them. And they have dragon ogres, which are essentially centaurs with dragon bodies. So why on earth does destruction get a centaur? I don't know. I have no idea. It doesn't actually fit the motif of any army in destruction. Like, as far as his looks go, he's very hairy. Is destruction very hairy? Destruction is ogres, which are basically hairless. I mean, sure, they've got a couple beards here and there, but they're basically bald and hairless. Then you've got all the grots, which are bald and hairless, and then you've got all the orcs, which are bald and hairless. Like, uh, And this dude is hairy as a mofo. He's got a huge mane, he's got a beard, he's got a tail, he's got all these hairs around all of his ankles and stuff. Like, he's very hairy. And he does not in any shape or form match the rest of the motif for the rest of Destruction. So, I mean, okay, he's got awesome stats. He's got really, really good abilities. And he's big, 
and any faction in destruction can take him. But as far as all that goes, the actual model, that's all stuff on paper. The actual model is totally just fine. I give it a C. Like, it's not... I don't see anything that I haven't seen in other companies. Like, oh shit, it's a big, big centaur. Okay. <laughs> like, there's nothing There's nothing here that's even interesting to look at, to be honest with you. I am already bored, and I've only been looking at this model for about five minutes. So, yes, people will definitely buy him. Yes, he's very good. But as far as the actual creativity behind the model... I really don't see anything fantastic about him. And that's basically where it ends. I mean, if you look at him really close, he's got like a bunch of shields chained together around him, which is something, I guess. I don't know. And he's got a beard and a mace. And he's got earrings. That does anything for you. And he's got a shield. And he's got two what I assume are horns. But they're split off so much, they actually look like just two pigtails. Like, they look like individual strands of hair coming off pigtails, is how split these horns are. So I guess he's horns, but meh. He's got four hoofed feet. There's just... Boy, they... I feel like they really dropped the ball on this one. The vampire centaur thing, at least that was unique. I have never seen a giant bat vampire centaur. Never seen that. That's at least unique. But just a straight up hairy dude with a sword, with a mace and shield, meh. I don't know. So this is definitely want that not for me. I do have Savage Orcs and Iron Jaws. I do have those. And I do have the makings of a Gloom Spike Git Army. Absolutely. But number one, I don't play these massive models. I've never owned Nagash, even though I had like 4,000 points of Undead. I've never owned Nagash, and I don't play him. And this guy is no different. I am not going to play this guy in any of my armies. He doesn't even look like anything. If he was some massive... Can you imagine if they made a massive orc? I mean a massive orc. Instead of making this dude, you make some sort of creature that looks like an orc that has fought since the dawn of time. And he is as tall as this guy and just covered in scars. Just just beat all to hell. And some of his teeth are missing, but he is an absolute unit. That I would buy. I, I probably would actually buy that because it just sounds awesome. And you've never actually seen an orc that big. And, you know, they could really go more, like, make him look a little more like a gorilla. You know, with big, bigger front arms, if that does something for you. And a bigger brow and, and a scowl. Oh, man. That could be awesome. Covered in little grots. I mean, but this guy definitely looks like a reject for Beast of Chaos. No idea where this is coming from. Completely out of left field. And to be honest, not really impressed. This is a want that not for me. If you like it, then you probably like it because of the rules, and that's totally fine. You you do you, boo, but does not interest me at all. So, let's go on to the next segment. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. This week's Real Talk with the Pentcron, I am going to piggyback off of last week's topic about the Soul Blight, and I mentioned it there as far as the Underworld's armies, uh, underworld squads they put in the codexes for Age of Sigmar, but I just kind of want to double down, because something else that GW does that does not make any damn sense whatsoever is they make horrible use of their underworld's units, 
And what I mean by that is, I know Underworlds is a fairly popular skirmish game. It's kind of a board game, kind of a skirmish game. And because you play on these pre-made tiles, you don't set up terrain or anything in the conventional sense. And it's got a card mechanic and whatever. I never got into it. We've got people that play it at Shorehammer every year. But um, their models are really cool looking. And they start coming out with all these warbands for every one of the armies. That's really cool. And all of them are unique because they're a named person and whatnot. Well, they have another game that is kind of similar, but it's more of a normal skirmish game for Age of Sigmar called Warcry. And they only use chaos units. That's all it is. It's a bunch of chaos people fighting each other, which I feel is slightly narrow in scope, but doesn't matter. They've got really, really awesome warbands, and their warbands might be 12 people or something. It's not just three or four. But... The thing they did with Warcry is with the Slaves to Darkness army, they put all of the Warcry units in the Slaves to Darkness army, and they use them as cultists, basically. And all the different cults have different um, different specialties and different uh, special abilities and just little tricks. None of them are fantastic. None of them are overpowered in any fashion whatsoever. But... They are really flavorful, and they are really cool. Matter of fact, one of them is so cool that I actually made an entire kitbashed army based off of just one of those factions because I love their motif. Uh, regular listeners to the show will know that the Unmade is one of those Warcry armies, and they skin their faces. Um, I don't know why. I forget why, actually. I read it months ago, but um, they actually cut the skin off their own faces, and they're all about pain and whatnot. So they're not exactly Slaneshi, but they're basically going that route. And they're fantastic models. So I've taken those models, and yes, those models are usable in Slaves to Darkness, and they give you minus one bravery when you're near them, and that's pretty cool. That's useful. Um, there's other ones that do other things, but um, the but the Unmade, the look of the Unmade was awesome for me. So I made an entire army and kitbashed the other units in the army like you know, Marauder Horsemen and Chaos Knights and all of that. I I did them all to be unmade themed because I love that so much. But even if I didn't do that, I actually could take Unmade as battle line and I could make Unmade. There's actually one of the factions in Slaves of Darkness that caters to the cultist and the Unmade and all that. I think they're called Ravagers and they're basically the tribal people. So what they've done there successfully is they've taken these big squads of people that they've made for the game, and for Warcry, and they've successfully ported them into Age of Sigmar, and they've given them usefulness. I told you before, the easiest, cheapest thing to do that GW could do, and the proof that they're friggin' lazy or completely inept, is write rules for stuff. Just... You not all the units even have to be good. They just have to do something. Give each unit a role. And it's just as complicated as opening up a word processor or whatever they use to make the codexes and they go clackety clack clack. Oh look, now they've got a five up fill no pain or whatever. It doesn't even matter what it is. Just give them some sort of flavor. Well, they did successfully do this with the Warcry Warbands when they introduce them in Slaves to Darkness, because each one of them has a very distinct scheme or motif to them, and their abilities somewhat reflect that. They're not powerful, but I don't care if they're powerful. They just need to be interesting. And lo and behold, do you realize that because they've successfully introduced them to this army, I've bought, like, I don't know, 12 boxes of unmade 
to kitbash my entire army. Maybe not 12, maybe it's 8, but you get the point. I've bought a crap ton of unmade boxes, and for that's for a game I don't even play. They are exclusively for War, Warcry, basically. They're designed for Warcry, and I don't even play Warcry. I've never even tried it, but I love the models so much, and their, their rules that they were given in the Codex actually have a purpose and are somewhat useful. So... That's why I took them. And look, they've sold so many of these boxes just because I liked what they did with them in the Codex. Okay, fast forward to the Underworlds. They do this, or they attempt to do the same thing for the Underworlds Warbands. Wow, that's really cool. Almost every single army in Age of Sigmar has included in the rulebook the little Underworld squad. And that's awesome. But usually it's like one character and like a retinue of like three or four people. My problem with this is very similar to the whole Cursed City models in Soulblight nonsense, is it doesn't make any damn sense that they are going to make these models and go through the production costs and all that and make them for Underworlds, but then they don't put them usefully in the AOS Codex. Now... You might say, well, if they were too good, then they'd be spammed. And you know that's the truth. But guess what? These units are only a handful of people. And these units are unique. Every single one of the Underworld's units in the Age of Sigmar Codexes all have the unique keyword. So you can only take one of them anyway. But the problem is, you they're very small in number. But you know what? If, either, if let's say, they treated them as a badass retinue of characters. So I'm just thinking of my Sylvanath Tree Lord people, the under underworld people. I've got this really neat looking sorcerer lady that's made of like vines and stuff. And then she's got a retinue of a couple tree revenants. She's got, I think it's three tree revenants. You know, stat them out as characters or minor characters instead of five wounds. Give them two or three wounds and make them do something and act as a unit or break up individually. Currently, you have to buy them as a unit, and then they break up as individual models, but the problem is, like, these Tree Revenant dudes have, like, one hit point and a five-up save. What what do you expect him to do? What on earth do you expect him to do, except some stray pistol shot is going to shoot him in the head? Like, it's so stupid. The idea for a company should be that whatever you invest in, such as making all of these models and spending the time to put them in the Codex you should get the most return possible. And instead of jacking up prices, or instead of selling us two or three of the same codex in a year, maybe what you should just do is make your stuff better. In other words, no unit in Age of Sigmar or 40k should be flat out useless. And I don't see any units in either game as bad and as useless as the Underworld's units. There is absolutely no reason to take them. Sure, the character has a neat little spell sometimes, which is going back to what I originally said about the spells and the mortal wounds and how lame they are. Most of them are like, oh, pick a unit and they take D3 mortal wounds. Okay, whatever. Like, sure, it's a psychic power. I get it. But even the character that leads these retinues is like three wounds or something. They're not even, they're not durable in any way and they have no damage output. There's one guy with a bow in the tree revenants, right? And because there's usually always like one ranged person and the dude with the bow is like one shot fours and fives or something stupid. It's like that doesn't even make any sense. Why would I ever spend 200 points on these four or five models 
and they all have like five up saves and they're all they're just garbage. Why would you invest all that time and money to make these models for another game and not actively and successfully cross promote them into your other game? Do you realize that if I wanted to, I could start playing Warcry? I mean, I'm a bad example because I don't want to, but this is how you cross promote stuff, just like the demons being in AOS and the demons being in 40k. Both of them that is a gateway right there that you could use to go, hey guys, you know, you start a demon's army and you can play either game. That is the perfect thing. So it's it's highly irritating when they go to all this trouble and make stuff and they truly, it feels like they misuse some of their assets. And meanwhile, they're like, gee, I don't know how to make more money this quarter. Hmm. Let's let's pump out four Lumineth Realm Lord codexes in one year. I mean, that's basically it seems so stupid. And maybe it's the left hand not knowing what the right hand's doing, or maybe there's some other reason I have not come up with, but it it personally makes no sense to me that you have these models and it's a gateway to trying another one of your games and you give the player absolutely no reason to buy them. They should be, and like I said, you can't even spam them. They're unique units, so so be it. Make all of them unique units like they are, and break them up or make them one squad. I don't care what you do with them, but whatever you do, make them good. If you break them up, hey, I got one tree. Think about this. This would make so much more sense, even if you're going to break them up. I got a tree revenant. He's one hit point, right? And he's a five up save. But every time he hits, he does D3 mortal wounds or something like that. Like, oh, gee, okay, this bow and arrow dude, 200 points, you grab this squad of people, it would almost be an auto-include. And do you know how many more units of freaking Underworld Sylvaneth people that you would sell? A lot more if they had a use. My Caradron Overlords guys are the same way. I bought them and there's one Bubble Boy and one Grunstock Thunderer and one um, uh, uh, Chemist and then one of something else, and then I'm like, oh my god. It, it's just, and none of them are useful. <laughs> That's the worst part. And they insist on breaking them up, but like I said, breaking them up is not a deal breaker, because you could make them really awesome, you know? Make them tiny baby distraction carnifexes, where, dude, that guy with the bow, he's easy to kill, but we better go after him, because he's doing, I don't know, D3 mortal wounds to us each turn from that bow, and it's getting really annoying. So you need to focus some fire on that one model to kill him, you know, or, or whatever. There's absolutely no reason that I can think of why they would not capitalize on the models they already have made for another game. And Warcry is a perfect example of how they've done it pretty successfully and brought them over to Age of Sigmar, and I guarantee you they've sold far more boxes because it was successfully brought over. Anyway, uh, sorry, I, I don't mean to keep being negative. Um, it's just they are frustrating me because they feel like they're taking the easy way out for so many things, and they're doing things that not only hurt their image, but they don't need to do it if they would just do other things smarter, you know? It's like, don't rush out of Codex. Don't rush out of Codex unless it's finished. So that way, guess what? Your people don't have to buy two Codexes in the same year. You know, or whatever. You know all the deal. I'm going to quit complaining now. 
But anyway, thank you for listening. And if you have any thoughts on this, let me know. And thank you for GameAt.eu for supporting my show. And thank you to all of my beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons. I love you all. See you next week, guys.